You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this afternoon comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 5. This afternoon we'll consider the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's in verse 5 especially of this chapter. Paul gives us insight to how the Holy Spirit works. Let's read that whole section. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, But we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, But we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now we'll turn back in the New Testament to the Gospel according to John, chapter 14. Jesus' famous words in the upper room to his disciples, and in this section as he speaks about the triune God and the work of the Holy Spirit. John 14, beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. 
I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you any longer, much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 20 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, He is, together with the Father and the Son, true and eternal God. Second, He is also given to me to make me, by true faith, share in Christ and all His benefits, to comfort me and to remain with me forever. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I wonder if you were aware of what was going on today. Were you aware of what's been happening constantly today? All sorts of different situations. All kinds of different times. As someone woke up this morning and had a desire in their heart to go to church, to worship God there, hear His Word and fellowship with fellow Christians. Or as a mother, as her husband was thanking the Lord for the food that they ate at lunch, felt a deep gratefulness to God for the food that they had just enjoyed and for all the other good things that they have. Or as one young person reflecting on this morning's sermon, was all of a sudden struck by how safe they are with Christ. They're totally safe. They don't have to be afraid. You know what was going on in all of these situations? The Holy Spirit was working. We don't often pause to really realize that or to realize the extent of what is happening among so many, not only here, but all over the world, constantly, every day. So many different situations and places and circumstances and expressions that the Holy Spirit is working. He is constantly at work. In fact, it's it's impossible to imagine life without the Holy Spirit. Could you imagine life without the Holy Spirit? A life without worship? No worship. Because no one's heart is motivated to express their love for God. A life without love itself. Because there's no Holy Spirit to change the motivations of your heart, to change your heart itself. A life without hope of salvation because there's no Holy Spirit to give hope and to give salvation. A life with no security beyond death. No security. 
no certainty. Because the Holy Spirit has not been given as that very certainty. A life where there's no triune God, no fullness of God's love, of God's expression, no harmony among God, no eternal existence, no Father, Son, and Spirit existing in perfect love from eternity. It's hard to imagine life without the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, it's a good thing. That's not what we're here to do this afternoon. We're not here to imagine life like this. Instead, we are here to confess the reality and our firm belief in the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit does live eternally. That the Holy Spirit works powerfully. And that at the very heart of what the Holy Spirit does is that He unites us to the love of God in Christ. The very heart of what the Holy Spirit does, He unites us to the love of God in Christ. We'll consider first the love of God in the Trinity. Before we apply it to ourselves, we need to understand that God exists in Himself, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity together. God existed before we ever came along. So we need to consider God in Trinity first, in the place of the Holy Spirit there. And as we do so this afternoon, we need to acknowledge that that we need to tread carefully here because the Holy Spirit is the most mysterious of the three persons of the Trinity. The Spirit is not one to draw attention to Himself. Rather, He lives to draw attention to the Father and to the Son. To illuminate, not to be illuminated. But yet, even given that, we do know much. And the much we know is very beautiful and special about the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we most certainly know is that the Spirit takes its His rightful place within the Trinity. The Spirit takes His rightful place within the Trinity. He is truly and fully God. And there is perhaps no more direct statement of this than in Acts 5. Acts 5 is where Peter rebukes Ananias and Sapphira for their deceitfulness. They had sold some land. They had given their money to the church, but had not revealed that they had held some back for themselves. Well, Peter responds to this lie in Acts 5, verses 3 and 4. And he says to them, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So that's a bit of a long quote there, but In verse 3, he says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 4, he says, you have lied to God. It's one and the same. The Spirit is God. And there's many other passages, of course, that give this testimony. The Spirit was hovering over the waters at creation in Genesis 1. The Spirit is the agent of God's heart-changing work, as David confesses in Psalm 51. The Spirit completes the delight between Father and Son at Jesus' baptism. 
Jesus urges the disciples before his ascension to go, therefore, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No distinction there. Baptize them into the name of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul as well blesses the Corinthians with the love, with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit most certainly takes His place in the Trinity. We confess that in the Nicene Creed. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who spoke through the prophets. And so the Holy Spirit is God Himself. And as one of the members of the Trinity, He takes His place in a particular way within the Trinity. You see, one of the characteristics of the Trinity is that, well, some things can be said of all of them in common. They are all God. They are all eternal. They are all glorious. There is a distinction among the persons of the Trinity with respect to their their role or function, what they do in the Trinity or how they act on behalf of the Trinity. You know this distinction. God The Father is the Creator. God the Son is the Redeemer. God the Spirit is the Sanctifier. And there's other distinctions as well. Those are probably the most well-known. Well, the Spirit, being the one who, as we confess in the Nicene Creed, proceeds from the Father and the Son, is often pictured or communicated to us as the active agent of the Trinity. That's the, the role of the Spirit, the active agent on behalf of the other persons of the Trinity. The one who is enacting the eternal plan of the Father. The one who is applying the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Even among those examples that we just spoke about, about the divinity of Christ, you you see this active agent aspect of the Trinity, of the Spirit's work. That when God created, it was the Spirit who was hovering over the waters who was most imminent, who was most present there in creation. It was the Spirit in the Old Testament who would clothe the judges and the kings with the power and the wisdom that they needed to fulfill their their task. God would give His Spirit to them to empower them. David called out for the Spirit to change his heart, The Spirit to act on behalf of God to make the change within Him in Psalm 51. And it was the Spirit that He couldn't escape as we sang in Psalm 139. Where can I go from Your Spirit? The Spirit is always present for the Father and the Son. The Spirit following the baptism of Jesus equipped Jesus Himself for His ministry. The Spirit is the catalyst of Christ's church gathering work. He poured out His Spirit at Pentecost and it's the Spirit who's been gathering the church for the Son ever since. The Spirit is the active agent of the Trinity. He works on behalf. He proceeds from the Father and the Son and He works on their behalf. 
The Spirit not only works on behalf of the Father and the Son in the Trinity, the Spirit actually works between the Father and the Son in the Trinity. As one theologian has stated, without the personality and deity of the Spirit, there can be no true oneness between Father and Son. The Holy Spirit completes the circle of the Trinity. If there was two, it would not be complete. But with the third, the Spirit, the Trinity, is complete. The Trinity expresses the unity between the Father and the Son, that unity that has existed from all eternity. The Spirit is the third dimension that gives to the Father and the Son eternal and perfect fullness. A picture of how the Spirit operates among the, between the Father and the Son is actually given to us in the baptism of Jesus Christ. We get a picture there of, of how the Spirit works between the Father and the Son in the baptism of Jesus Christ. That's recorded in Matthew 3 and in Luke 3. As the Father delights in His Son and the Son is delighted in by the Father. You know in the baptism of Jesus Christ, He's baptized and as he comes up, the Father speaks from heaven, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Well, it's at that very moment that the, the Holy Spirit is pictured in a dove descending from heaven down to Jesus Christ. And it's no coincidence that at the moment that God the Father says, This is my Son, whom I love, that there we see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one communicating the love from the Father to the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one reciprocating the love and the delight of the Son to the Father. That's what the Spirit does. He completes the circle between Father and Son. The church father, Augustine, around the the year 400 A.D., was speaking about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the expression that God is love. And he said that for love, three things are necessary. You need the one loving, you need the one being loved, and you need the love that passes in between. Now, this is certainly an analogy, but it gives us a sense of the necessity of the Trinity for the truth that God is love. All three persons express that love to each other perfectly. And as we see in the baptism of Jesus Christ, the Spirit unites the Son to the Father in that love. And it reciprocates the love of the Son back to the Father so that Father, Son, and Spirit dwell and have dwelled for, from all eternity with each other in love full and complete and harmonious love. What is so profound and really exemplary for us about the way that the Holy Spirit works is that everything that the Spirit does, He does for the Father and the Son. The Spirit never takes the spotlight upon Himself. Rather, the Spirit is the spotlight that shines upon the Father, that leads us to see the Father, to see the Son, and to worship them. 
C.S. Lewis, in one of his writings, he wrote about an experience he had while he was standing in a dark tool shed. It's called Meditations in the Tool Shed. And he spoke about having a beam of light come through one of the corners of the tool shed. And the experience that he had when he stood in that beam of light, that, that then he could, he could look out and see the, the clouds and the sky and the sun. That the light was giving all of these things to him. But when he would move to the side in that dusty shed, then he could stand at the, at the side and see the beam of light itself. Well, that analogy helps us to understand what the Holy Spirit does and how He works. The Spirit is like that beam of light that allows us to look and to see God. Without the Spirit, we would not see and know God. But through the Spirit, we, we see God, we know Him, and we, we, we bask in the warmth of His love. It's more difficult for us to step aside and to look at the light itself, to see the Spirit Himself. Because we spend so much time enjoying the riches of the Spirit. Just like we spend so much time receiving all the light from the sun. And not standing aside and looking at the light itself. That's the way the Spirit would have it. That we would bask in the warmth of God's love. That we would look through the Spirit, to the Father and the Son, and worship. The Spirit is the one who communicates to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives God Himself. He did that in the Bible. He inspired the prophets to speak about God. He inspired all the writers of the Bible to write down what they have written. For us, that we might know God, the Bible is God's revelation, and the Spirit has given this. And the Spirit gives, brings the truths of God's Word and applies them to our hearts. Brings them to bear to us. The Spirit brings us near to God. Sorry, the Spirit brings God near to us through His Word and revelation. And in doing so, the Spirit brings us near to God. And that's what we'll consider in the second point, the love of God in Christ. This is the, what, the whole, what the Heidelberg Catechism deals with in the second part of the answer. But the Holy Spirit unites us with the love of God in Christ Jesus. And this makes sense, doesn't it? If the Holy Spirit communicates God to us, and God reveals Himself as a God who is reconciling the world to Himself through Jesus Christ, then at the very heart of what the Spirit does is He would communicate and unite us to the love of God in Christ. And that's what Paul writes about in Romans 5, our reading from Romans 5, especially in verse 5 where he says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Whom He has given us. God gives us the Holy Spirit and through the Spirit He pours His love into our hearts. And what is this love that He's speaking about? Well, He says in the very next verse, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. In verse 8, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Spirit brings the love of God in Christ Jesus into our hearts. The love of God that was manifest in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and from that His whole life and all His work. The Spirit brings that love into our hearts that we might know it. He He unites us with that love. He applies the very work of Jesus Christ, His death, His resurrection, His life, His ascension to our lives along with all the blessings that that entails. That's the love of God in Christ Jesus. All the work of Jesus Christ united to our life, applied to our life in a real and powerful way. Catechism says, He is given to me by make, to make me by true faith share in Christ and in all of His benefits. And so the Holy Spirit reveals God to us and at the very heart of what God reveals about Himself is salvation through Jesus Christ. And so as the Holy Spirit unites us to this work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit brings some incredible realities to bear for us. Realities that we just live in, that we just enjoy. That we just bask in like you bask in the warmth of the sun. Realities like adoption. Our adoption into the family of God. That's what the Holy Spirit unites us to when He unites us to the work of Christ. Through the work of Christ in removing our sin and making us righteous, we are received into the very family of God so that we become His children. And so that we receive an inheritance, just like, just like a child receives an inheritance from their parents. We receive an inheritance from God. And not only that, but we live in that familial delight that, that Jesus himself has lived in as the Son with the Father from all eternity. God the Father loved his Son from all eternity. We become adopted to be God's children through the work of Jesus Christ so that God delights in us just like He delights in Jesus. The Spirit brings us into that relationship. And as Paul says in Romans 8 and Galatians 3, it's, it's by the Spirit working in us that we in response then can say, Abba, Father. God makes us His children and we respond by calling Him our Father. And there's more. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are guaranteed salvation. Christ has accomplished salvation. He's done all that's necessary. There's nothing more to do. And so when the Holy Spirit brings the work of Christ to bear on our lives, He assures us of our salvation. It's complete. It's done. It's finished. How do you know? Well, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit within you. He adopts us into God's family. He makes our salvation sure, but even more, He transforms us. That's another reality that the Spirit brings us into. He transforms us. The Spirit is the agent of change in our lives. 
It is, after all, the fruit of the Spirit that marks our new life in Christ, isn't it? Galatians 5, other passages as well. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit lives within us and, and transforms us so that we begin to, to show love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Spirit does more for us as well. In the salvation that Jesus Christ has won for us, as He transforms us, the Spirit guides us in the way to go. Before He left, the Lord Jesus said in John 14 that He wouldn't leave His disciples alone, but He would send His Spirit to teach them and guide them and lead them. So they didn't have to be afraid of wandering off the track or not knowing what to do. Jesus said, I will give you my spirit and he will guide you. And that's the reality that we live in today. That the spirit guides us by the word of God and also working in our heart together with the word. The spirit guides us in our lives, enables us to obey so that we don't fall off the path of obedience and fall into sin and destruction. But rather, we stay on that right path, the way of wisdom and obedience and thankfulness. And along with all of this, the Holy Spirit brings us comfort. As we face disappointments and struggles and trials, the Spirit comforts us with the saving grace of the Father and the redeeming work of the Son. And He comforts us in so many ways through God's Word. So many words of comfort that He has given to us to apply to our hearts and lives in so many situations. And so the Spirit does all of this. In uniting us to the love of God in Jesus Christ, we are adopted, we are secure, we are comforted, we are transformed, we are guided. And there's one more that the Spirit works within us. The end of all of these things, and that is by the power of the Holy Spirit, We're able to worship. To worship. Worship, to worship God is to be caught up into this love of God. It's an experience of being loved by God and of loving God in return. And isn't that the experience that the Son has has had with the Father through the Spirit from all eternity? Being loved and responding in love. And we get caught up into that when we Worship God. As the Spirit unites us with Christ, He draws us up into that triune love of the Godhead. Do you know what this looks like? Do you know what this, what this feels like? What it sounds like? I hope you do. This past Wednesday night, many of us experienced in one small way what this sounds like, what this looks like, So we heard nearly 200 students of Credo Elementary singing the praises of God. And it was a beautiful experience. And now students, you who were there and singing, did you know what was happening as you sang that final song, that beautiful song? Do you know what was happening and how that happened? It was the Holy Spirit. He was working in your heart. He's been working in your heart a lot. 
And he was working in you to make you sing, to use your voice to worship God for all of the blessings that he's given you. It was the Holy Spirit at work in you. The Holy Spirit moving you to worship God as you sang Hallelujah, let all creation stand and sing. Hallelujah, fill the earth with songs of worship. Tell the wonders of creation's king. You can only say those words. You can only sing them with with gusto and with a heart of praise. You can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the Spirit's work, and it is beautiful to see. But you know what's also beautiful is that you don't need a string quintet. You don't need piano and organ, organ accompaniment. You don't need 200 beautiful voices of young children to be caught up in worship. You can, but you don't need that. The Holy Spirit works in so many diverse and various ways. It's the Holy Spirit working when an adolescent boy is singing at the back of his classroom in a crackling, unsure voice of God's glory. It's the Holy Spirit who is moving when a family gathers together before a meal and they thank God for what He's given to them. It's the Holy Spirit who moves an elderly woman passing over a cup of coffee to reflect on how God has cared for her through her life. All of these are expressions of love for God and all of them are worked through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the Holy Spirit who is working among all of us as we as a church confess along with the church of all times and places, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.